As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of FedWatch. We are, they put the, they put us in charge of the live stream today, guys. So it is me and CK, just like the old days. We are running our own show. So how are you doing, CK? I am doing great, Ansel. Happy to be here. Happy to do this special Thanksgiving edition of FedWatch. We got a lot of news to talk about, a lot of housekeeping as well. I would like to formally say thank you and goodbye to the former hosts of the Bitcoin Magazine live stream. P and Q. They have both done an enormous amount for Bitcoin Magazine, and I am extremely excited for them to both have awesome careers in the Bitcoin space. I know that they're both actively in discussion with other Bitcoin companies, and I'm excited to help them, you know, continue to grow within Bitcoin. We are all on Team Bitcoin here, and Coin Magazine is going to continue to move forward to bring you the best information and content possible about Bitcoin. We're extremely excited to bring you the Bitcoin Conference. This upcoming May, Bitcoin 2023. So that is going to be an absolute blast. I am really excited to see Antle there. I'm really excited to see all of you guys there. Make sure to save 10% off your ticket by using promo code BMLIVE. So, yep. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, well, well, I mean, we're doing Thanksgiving Day special here. So I'm thankful for, of course, Bitcoin and Satoshi. And one thing about Satoshi that a lot of people don't aren't thankful enough about or don't give enough respect to is that he left. So I, I'm very, very appreciative that he invented Bitcoin, of course, but also that he left when he did and he put this thing out into the world. And we hopefully have been taking care of it in his absence. So I'm also thankful for Bitcoin Magazine. Several years ago, you guys decided to go Bitcoin only. And I think that was a huge step in the space. You have given a lot or you put out a lot of Bitcoin related content from the Bitcoin plebs out there. And so I think that's very good for the community. So I'm very thankful for uh, Bitcoin magazine and all that you guys have done for the space. Yeah, well, I'm thankful for you, man. You you bring some of the, the most alpha, I think, and the most independent you know, thinking to the ecosystem and really proud to do this show with you and, and try to encourage people to check out your work. Uh, so, you know, cheers to you, Ansel. And, you know, without further ado, let's get into all of, you know, what we need to talk about. So right. we got Fed monetary policy, we got FOMC minutes, we got some charts, maybe we'll talk FTX, hash rate, yep. we'll decode some Fed speak. We got a good we got a good show lined up. All right. Well, do you want to go into the Bitcoin chart and then we can maybe roll into a quick thing about FTX? Yeah, let's do and, it. And even um, touch on hash rate stuff. Yep. Yep. So just talking to this chart here, I mean, it's very familiar to people that are fans of the show that have been watching for a long time. We've talked about this pattern that has been really held with a lot of support at around 17 to 18,000. And it looked like we were going to break out. And we talked about it right at the top of that breakout was when we had a FedWatch show. And I was, we were both saying, you know, you were less bullish than I was, but I was pretty bullish. And I was saying, oh, we got to wait and make sure this is a confirmed breakout. And then FTX happened out of the blue and we fell down. And right now it's still, we're showing a little bit of strength here in the last couple of days, a little bit of a bounce but we're not even able to break the first line of resistance. And there's a lot of resistance above us. Also, you can see on the right, that kind of wave thing is the volume by price. And you can see it really 
is a huge amount of resistance right at that $19,000 mark. So even if we rally to 19,000, which would be a pretty big rally, right? 20% rally. It we'd still be running into a massive amount of resistance right there. So until we break 19,000, I think we have to go on the bullish bullish side for any predictions. So do you have anything to add to this chart? You mean bearish? Oh yeah, bearish. I'm, did I say bullish? Yeah, I meant bearish. So so are you saying that I was right? And well, I I think it was a little. You were, yeah, you were right. And th- there was, I think it's a little bit in between both of us though, because I I've been continuing to say that you know even though it feels really bad down here we're still only 5% below the june lows and so it is it does look really bad on the chart it looks very sick on the chart but it's percentage wise we're not much worse off than the than, than we were in june we want to go to the next slide or what next um, well, the next slide is the dollar. Um, do you want to talk anything now that we're on Bitcoin here? Do you want to talk anything about FTX? Uh, what have you been seeing the latest on FTX? Like with Genesis, I know that has come up. Um, what are you seeing out there? I mean, I'm not the most up to date person on it all. It seems like people are really, you know, paying attention to like the tornado cash developer in custody, Sam and his parents hanging out in the Bahamas, taking pictures of them like talking on the phone, you know, on their balcony, all that kind of Mm -hmm. fact that they haven't been taken into custody yet. I think he is going to be going up in front of Congress. So I'm sure that will be a much anticipated and much covered event. But yeah, I mean, I personally think that this is an event that wakes people up. Like, yes, there's the calls for regulation, which is a ridiculous because there's already every regulation needed to stop this was already in place. Yeah. Right. Is the failure of impl- of applying it like so, but regardless, like for a lot of people, it's waking them up like the, the media puff pieces, all the money that went these politicians, the fact that they're not saying anything about it other than we need to regulate it. And the fact that they might actually push in the bill that he's been working on, the fact that he's not in custody, this hack of funds and like just ambiguity around it. Like, was it a hack? Is it the burn? Was it? Uh, Burma or the Bahamas government, like what, what's happening there. There's just a whole bunch of shadiness everywhere, everywhere. So honestly, like this story is, as far as I'm concerned, it's not over yet. Like it's still developing. And I mean, what an absolute drama, like clown world <laughs> taking a really insane turn here for sure. Yeah. Just think if this would have happened and, Twitter would not have been as open as it is now. And they would have squashed this, like perhaps the Biden laptop story or something like that. Right. And if they, if this had happened at just a few months prior before Elon came in, who knows, because all of this was broken on Twitter. And that's where a lot of the investigation is happening. That's where a lot of the information is being shared. It's just amazing the blackout that's going on in the mainstream financial press. That was one of my points here was that there's still no, negative coverage from the media at all about this. I'm just, it's mind blowing. What else did I say? Oh, and he's still on the list of New York times speakers for November 30th. Yeah. It's wild. Nothing has happened. It's like this, they are trying to completely sweep this under the rug. And if people don't continue to push on this, you know, ask their legislator, ask their senator, their congressman, whatever, and get them to, to act or do something. Can Do you think they can sweep this under the rug and push through that legislation that, that you were talking about? I mean, we need to do more. Bitcoiners need to do more. So um, it would be an absolute sham. I think more people would wake up, but like it just mm. it's, continues to be roadblocks, right? I mean, more of it has to do with like DeFi and exchanges and stuff like that. But I think it would largely be a, a negative step. It would be kind of like a bit licensed level of bullshit in, in front of effectively, you know, the guys of protecting consumers, which like these people have pretty much proven that they can't because they already have the jurisdiction to do whatever they need anyways. So I don't think that it makes that much of a difference for Bitcoin unless they start going after node operators and taking self-custody. It would be very laughable if they mandated that you were, go with a custodian in the eu they've already been using language like hosted wallet versus unhosted wallet 
in order to make it feel like self-custody is this bad thing as if it's like unhosted by a regulated entity. But ultimately, it should be like your coins or not your coins. So it's, yeah. <laughs> that that's the dichotomy. And it's it's trivial to host the the information that is your Bitcoin, that is your private keys. That's trivial. So, you know, we can't let the narrative slip. Bitcoiners have to continue educating. We have to keep pushing. And ultimately, we have to keep withdrawing. So, like, the more we withdraw off exchanges, the less they can easily, like, the, the, all that money is instantly 6102, right? So, for those who don't know that reference, gold was ordered to be confiscated with Order 6102 by Roosevelt. So, people use that term 6102 as they'll confiscate your Bitcoin and a regulated custodian is already confiscated, right? So it's really important that you withdraw. And that's the, that's the biggest thing that we can do. I think. Shifting gears here. What, what's your take on Genesis and it's knock on effects with its parent company, digital currency group, and the other subsidiary of Grayscale with the Grayscale Bitcoin trust. There's been a lot of FUD out there about this going on, and people are worried that Grayscale is going to have to sell their Bitcoin in order to save DCG or something like that. But what are you hearing out there, and what's your take? Yeah, I mean, DCG, GBTC, and Grayscale, Genesis, these are some of the most entrenched entities within the 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 market of coin and investing in Bitcoin and investing in the greater crypto ecosystem. So mm-hmm. if they go down, it's gonna be it's going to have major ripple effects and other industry players are gonna like vulture around them and pick them apart and take all the pieces because there's there's an enormous amount of ownership and value there, including a, a ton of Bitcoin, which is held within the trust. I'm not an expert on most of the actual legal and financial elements there, but I do know that they're publicly trying to raise a billion dollars for Genesis overnight, which is like, it's not easy. <laughs> like, that's not easy at all. So, um, you know, they they put out a letter, I think, like yesterday, talking about why they're solid, what elements are solid, what elements are distressed, all that kind of stuff, talking about we're going to be better tomorrow. And, you know, Barry knows more than me. I think it took him a while to respond, but it's good that they did respond. You know, these are some of the most capitalized connected people in the industry. So um, I don't know. I I can't put a like percentage of like if they fail, but if they did fail, it would be, it would have massive, massive effects. I think it would definitely affect Bitcoin's price. And theoretically, the mechanism in which GBTC is unlocked is that like, it's not like people who hold GBTC shares get coin if it's unlocked the bitcoin is sold and they're delivered the fiat value of it at that market price or whatever the market price is after they dump so yeah i mean i don't i like it would obviously affect the immediate the immediate price of bitcoin yeah i think it's important to understand that barry silver is not sam bankman freed you know they he's a, a serial entrepreneur that has built great businesses and and never been a scammer other than the type of coins that he likes to dabble in. But he's never been like a scammer on a a legal front committing fraud like this. So uh, I I think that GBTC and DCG and all this, I think they'll be okay. What about knock on effects with Coinbase? Coinbase has come out and said, hey, we have 2 million Bitcoins. And I've always thought that they were solvent and they had millions of Bitcoins, actually. They took over Zappo, right? So they have all the Zappo Bitcoins, all their custody of Bitcoins and all of the exchange Bitcoins. So what do you think that there is going to be any ill effects on Coinbase? Or do you think this is kind of all people are just running with the rumors at this point? And, you know, the worst crash which was ftx is behind us i can't say the worst crash is behind us i definitely can't (laughs) what i will say is that like let's just call it the rumors and the fud will stress test everyone right like everyone's gonna get the stress test from the rumors and the fud and the withdrawals and that's good like coinbase crypto.com kraken river swan prime trust every single one of them needs to get stress test 
and we need to see what happens. And that's the only way that we can build better, more resilient systems and have more trustworthy, you know, exchanges. You know, there is a trust relationship with the exchange. If you want to use them, you're giving them your KYC information in most countries. That's mm -hmm. an immediate trust relationship. Beyond that, whatever amount of money you hold in there, whether that's fiat or Bitcoin, that has a trust relationship. And then after that, their tracking of your UTXOs is another trust relationship. So there's multiple trust relationships here. So we need to flush out the bad actors. Yeah, great points. It's easy to FUD. Like it takes no energy to FUD, but it takes a lot of energy to, to address the FUD. Right. And so that's, it's like it, you can, it's, you can have a DOS attack on Bitcoin just by FUDing because it takes all your energy to refute the FUD out there. Also, I'll say that if people are selling and you say it's going to test everybody, not only will it consolidate businesses within Bitcoin, but it will also consolidate holders within Bitcoin. So the, the, holders that have of last resort as trace mayer coined the term the holders of last resort will get more and more of the supply of bitcoin so i think that's important as well the quality of holders i think will increase from this so yeah i mean as it does and like that's the yeah. beauty of of how bitcoin works the same is true with asics right so we had let's just call mm. it big public fiat companies accumulating all this ASICs, getting paying for the cost of shipping ASICs, buying them in bulk, and now they're liquidating, right? And then those those miners are hitting the market and who's buying those up? You know, it's the enthusiast market, it's the smaller to medium-sized miner, and they're getting it at a much lower cost and they're getting it delivered domestically. So yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful incentive structure. I'm I'm always in awe of the Bitcoin incentive structure. And that's why I kind of push the idea that like Bitcoin's binary, the incentives work or they don't. So, so far, I think we're, we're heading the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like that you brought that up. I talked with a miner here about a month ago and what, what do you think of the rumors of a secret high powered miner that like maybe ant pool or ant miner has released? Do you know anything about that? Have you heard anything through the grapevine? I've heard rumors, man, but who knows? It's really, it's hard to tell. And like when people say Bitcoin isn't like private, like it's hard to be private, but you definitely can be. Yeah. And you can, and like this shows at the base of the system, people can continue to privately innovate and put hash rate on the system and, you know, stay secret, keep their privacy. And, you know, people can only speculate. So that's how it goes. Those are the incentives. We should see more of that. Well, how come we're not seeing more hash rate come off if all these miners are being financially impaired here? I think there's there's miners that are being financially impaired and there's miners that are being reward. I mean, that are in position and see the writing on the wall. I think it's pretty early to tell, but as we just had a difficulty adjustment, but we're already forecasting negative 8% on the difficulty adjustment. So, you know, we have a few of those in a row. All of a sudden, you... Uh, if you're an efficient miner, you are doing pretty well. You have a nice, you have a nice chunk of, you have a nice chunk of the overall hash rate compared to what you did, you know, just a few difficulty adjustments ago. If you can hold on just for another two cycles. Yeah. It's um, all okay. about survival. Absolutely. Okay. So let's jump into these other charts. Let's go to the next one, which is the dollar. And of course we talk about the dollar a lot here and Bitcoin is pretty correlated with the dollar until the FTX thing kind of blew that up a little bit. But uh, you can see I put in this proposed new range because I do think that the dollar is going to be range bound once again. This is a continuation of the story that we've had since the great financial crisis. So the great financial crisis was when the financial system broke down. All right. And then since then, we've had these little waves of dollar strength, dollar doing a stair step higher on the strength in a deflationary type of story here. We're walking down the path of deflation. So I, I put another chart in here. If you go to the next chart, it shows these kind of stair-stepping function here. And the green line is the dollar. And what I did was say we're going to be range bound, like I think we're going to be. If you look at that middle red box, that one from 2015 through 2017, Bitcoin was range bound. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see here for the next couple of years. Now, in that case, look what happened to Bitcoin. Bitcoin 
took off. That was the start of the bull market in 2016 through 2017. If you go back further and you go to the next range bound period for the dollar, you go back to 2012 through 2013. And what you see there also Bitcoin had a big bull market during this range bound time. So if we do enter a range for the dollar, I don't think, and it's a higher range, right? So the dollar is higher than it was previously. I don't think that that is bullish or that is bearish for Bitcoin. That ends up being bullish in the long term and might be the next cycle, starting of the next cycle. So that's what I have on the dollar. Do you have anything to add to those couple charts? Nothing intelligent to add. All right. Interesting to see the pattern playing out. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. With open enrollment upon us, what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you can invest in Bitcoin instead? With CrowdHealth, you can choose your doctors, put aside money for your health expenses in your own account, and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. Right now through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLive to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin Magazine print edition is called The Orange Party Issue. It featured articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. All right, let's go on to, let's go down to number six, actually. Slide number six. We'll come back to these. Keep going down one more. All right, so this is the oil price. And the oil prices is, is still falling. I saw it this morning at 77. It's pretty much returning to yearly lows. I didn't include January on this chart by accident here, but it you know, just the other day that wick was a fresh yearly low for oil, which is just amazing. If you think about everybody's talking about $200 a barrel oil, $300 a barrel oil, all the supply chains are so messed up. We have Russian sanctions. We have releasing of the SPR that ended with the election. So, you know, this is supposed to be the time. Oh, and OPEC cutting back its quota. So this should be the time where oil really takes off, but it's not. It's range bound as well, just like the dollar. I think this is a very, very interesting chart. The next one, number seven, please, CK, is the stock market, S&P 500, and I just put the 200-day and the 100-day moving averages on here. We're kind of in the no man's land right now, trying to choose which way to go. Since the FOMC meeting minutes did drop today, the stock market has been a little bit more green, so it is going towards that 200-day. And at that moment, I think we're going to have a decision point. Either it's going to turn out like it did in August, or we're going to break up through it and signal you know, the bull market is back on. Now, this is not obviously a causation that Bitcoin will follow the stock market, but some of the fundamentals of risk assets are shared between stocks and Bitcoin at this time. And so if the stock market has these influences and these factors and pressures to go up, Bitcoin probably should share in that as well. So I think that this shows that Bitcoin should have some 
pressure to go up and follow the stock market. Any thoughts on these last two, oil or the stock market? No, the stock market chart is really interesting. And, you know, you're also kind of indicating areas here where you have the 100-day and the 200-day crossing as well. So if that does, in fact, happen, I'm sure that that's just bullish for risk assets in general. You know, it does feel like there's general fear right now. Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out to Joe Boiler. Thank you for reminding me. Everyone, please make sure to smash the like button. Make sure to hit subscribe. We are streaming to Twitch. We're streaming to YouTube. We're streaming to Rumble. Thank you, everyone watching across the globe. Make sure to subscribe on your platform. Smash that like button. Recommend FedWatch. We're here to bring you the best information in Bitcoin. Absolutely. Yep. So we're just waiting on that to see if it hits the 200-day on the stock market and what effect we can see in Bitcoin. If if stocks take off here, will we see Bitcoin follow? But anyway, let's go back to now to slide number four, please. Number four or five. Yeah, this one. So here, these are the interest rates. These are the long-term interest rates. So the five-year, the 10-year, and the 30-year, and the red kind of box is going up. That is the Fed Fund's target range. You can see how it has been increasing this year as they've raised since March. One of the pretty much the fastest Fed funds hiking cycles that we've ever had from the Fed. But the whole time, these rates respect this hiking. And now they're breaking down through it. And I just looked before we came on and the 10-year is sitting at 3.71. So it is fully below the Fed funds target range. And this will go into our conversation here in a second when we talk about the FOMC minutes that dropped and what we expect for a December monetary policy decision from the Federal Reserve. If you go to the next slide, is just zooming in on this most recent few months. I don't know if you can get to that one, CK. There we go. So you can see that these are decidedly inside of this range and falling out of the bottom. And this is what I've been talking about for a long time. If these fall, you know, the Fed has a choice. Do they lose face and raise rates and not have the market uh, agree with them, you know, the market will not follow because there's no mechanical way that they can raise these interest rates. They will just continue to fall. And so the Fed will be humiliated, embarrassed, and lose confidence. The curtain will be pulled back on the wizard at the, at the Fed, and they can see that it's not really magic, right, what the Fed is doing, and they will lose total confidence. Now, do they want to do that, or do they want to pause or maybe pivot? Th those are their choices. All right, CK. So that is my little talk on rates. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the Fed have to make a choice here. And I know that we are yep. talking about FOMC. I know that they are signaling that they're going to increase rates by 75 bips. I guess, you know, you already kind of mentioned what how you think this plays out. But what are the chances? Are, what do you think the chances are that they, they don't pivot, right? That they continue on mm. despite the real market changing. I think the chance of a 75 basis point hike this time are 10% or less. I think they, the most, the most probable raise in December is 25 or 50. And it, it kind of plays into this idea of a slow pivot. So back in November, they came out with their statement and they said, you know, they changed their language and they said, we are now going to look at the cumulative nature of our hiking program, not just what should we do this month? What should we do this meeting? They're looking at the cumulative data from the entire hiking cycle. So that was a pivot or a change in language. And then they have the meeting minutes come out, which we'll we should just discuss what the meeting minutes said right now. They said, I'll read a quote from them. Hold on. Let me bring this up. The quote is pretty, pretty bullish. <laughs> it's dovish. They said, most respondents to the open market desks surveys viewed a 50 basis point increase in the target range for the Fed funds rate at the December meeting as the most likely outcome. So that is moving from 75 down to 50, pretty much locking in a 50 basis point hike. We also had CME, the FedWatch tool that the CME has. 
it jumped from 70% up to 75% likelihood of having a 50 basis point hike instead of a 75 basis point hike. So um, all of these measures are showing that this is pivoting away from 75 downward. Now, what's the next step after that? Well, it's either zero or 25. So they're doing a soft pivot and that's how I'm kind of reading this. Now, if they go into the meeting though, we'll see what happens in the next two weeks. Cause I think the meeting, when, when did I have the meeting? I wrote it down on the outline here. The meeting is the 13th and 14th of December. So we have, what is that? Three weeks until the next meeting. Now, what if rates just keep falling? What if rates are down to three and a half percent or the 10 year down to three and a half percent or even three and a quarter? Will the Fed be able to raise? I don't know. So we have a long way to go till the December meeting. But right now, the intention that they're signaling, the messaging is that they are pivoting in a soft fashion. Also in December on the 13th, so the day before the Fed is the CPI that comes out for November. And that will also be a pretty big market event. So I'll, I'll shut up here for a second here, CK. What, what are your thoughts on all that? I mean, it's it's a lot. And I mean, it's going to be very interesting. A lot can change in the next three or four weeks. And CPI is coming out right before. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. It seems like there's a lot of trends that you've covered. Rates, fuel prices, overall customer purchases, all of these things are indicating lower and lower CPI numbers. So if CPI is lower, if rates are lower, are they kind of forced into, you know, being, you know, their back is against a wall. Yeah. Do they claim victory then as well? Who knows? <laughs> you know, victory, we've defeated inflation. I could see that as a potential angle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Th this is a, uh, that reminds me of a quote from an article that I read today. This is from Zero Hedge before the FOMC meeting minutes were announced. And this is SGH macros, Tim Dye. And he says, that uh, if inflation is falling, what is the need for ongoing rate hikes? First, the Fed will say it needs to at least follow through with what has already become embedded in market expectations. Second, they can't step down from the inflation fight with labor markets still tight and risk of re-acceleration of activity. So that's kind of what they're thinking. And I, I agree with you that if inflation comes down, the whole narrative that why they need to raise rates that all collapses but and, and in the end guys what the fed does doesn't matter okay what the fed does is they follow they're data driven they follow the market they try to guide it through monetary policy jawboning and narrative management expectation management but they don't have any mechanical way if they have a mechanical way to control rates why is the 10-year below the fed funds rate it's below the reverse repo rate. That's the overnight rate. So you can go in and get overnight repo for more. You get paid more than you would buying a 10-year treasury. But for some reason, the 10-year treasury is falling. So if there was a mechanical way that the Fed controlled the market, why is the 10-year so low? Why is the five-year and the 30-year, why are they so low? No, it's because they don't control the market. They can only influence it through their messaging. So we'll see what they want to do in December. But right now it's looking like 50 or less for the rate hike. And if that happens, man, that is going to set some fireworks off, I think, under this market. Because I got this question on my Telegram live stream today, like, why is a recession bullish for stocks and for Bitcoin? Because that's what I was saying. And th the way I look at it is right now it's oversold because we have... The Fed has been talking this market down. They've been talking the stock market down. They've been talking, well, Bitcoin is uh, following with what the stock market is doing and what risk assets in general are doing. And so they've been talking these down into an oversold condition. And as soon as the Fed pivots their narrative, it will be risk on again and people will flood. I, I saw another stat that this right now is uh, one of the highest periods in history of cash allocation for all these hedge funds and things. So people are having a lot of dry powder, waiting, waiting for the Fed to pivot, waiting for signs like this, and they will flood back into the market. So, all right, that's all I have on the Fed's stuff.
what time we got a few more minutes left should we roll into yeah time we got some more time to add? i mean did you want to talk about their like their policy their shifting policy narrative like i know you wanted to decode a little bit of speak i could share my screen here oh yeah okay so i pulled out this was before the fomc minutes came out i didn't know exactly what time they were going to come out so uh, I put together some of these, the shifting narrative from all of these Fed governors and Fed presidents. So this first one is from Fed Governor Christopher Waller. He was an early hawk along with Powell, and he now says that he is more comfortable with smaller hikes. The St. Louis Fed President Bullard, he says, quote, the policy rate is not yet in a zone that may be considered sufficiently restrictive. So he is pushing for higher rates. Lael Brainerd, she says, I think it will probably be appropriate soon to move to a slower rate of rate, a pace of rate increases. The Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic, he said the Fed can move away from 75 basis points. The Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester, she said, quote, I think it makes sense that we can slow down a bit the pace of increases. So all of these things are you know, four out of five of these are showing towards lower hikes, but there is a little bit of back and forth. One thing I did want to point out too, that the Fed is coming up to a, a, a hard position. They're putting themselves in a hard position because the end of a tightening cycle is it's difficult to end because the market will front run you. The minute they smell a little bit of a pivot, they're going to jump in, right? And then the monetary policy decision is not going to have as much effect because you're being front run out there in the marketplace. So it's, I expected more back and forth. And we do have three weeks until this meeting, until the Fed makes their decision. So we could see a back and forth, like Powell comes out and makes a statement. I am not going to pivot. We're going to do 75 or 100 basis points this time. We really need to crush this. You know, so I am expecting some of that back and forth just so that they can lock in some uncertainty in the market and that will allow their monetary policy to work. That's, that's how they think, okay? That's how the Federal Reserve thinks. They think we need to make our monetary policy messaging work. We need to actually increase the uncertainty in the market so that when we make the decision, then the market reacts as we want it to react, you know, and that is, um, that's how they think. But anyway, that's all I have to add. Yeah. It's wild, honestly. Well, I mean, again, this is why we need to separate the money from state, from central control, from top-down decision-making. So I think that much is clear. And that's been a message that we've been spreading as long as we've done this show, over a hundred shows. Let's get into China. I think we have a little bit of extra time here. All right. You know, wild videos out of China. Obviously, we've been they've been experiencing zero COVID on and off, you know, since 2020. You know, probably one of the toughest places to live in terms of dealing with the government in your everyday life today. But yeah, what stories do you have lined up here, Ansel? So the riots that are taking place in Foxconn. We've talked about this previously on the show here, but they had, I think, initially about 300,000 employees on this large campus, this large factory, almost like a city inside of a city, right, for Foxconn. And then about 100,000 people left a, a couple of weeks ago because of lockdowns. They were locking people in their dorms. They were not bringing them food. You know, the living conditions were really bad. And so they 100,000 people left, but 200,000 stayed. But now they are having similar breakdown in living conditions. And so there's riots out there. And I'm going to read here a little article from Zero Hedge. And the headline is China restricts movement across iPhone city. On Wednesday, unrest broke out at Foxconn's massive iPhone factory in Shenzhou, central China, reported Bloomberg. Videos on social media showed hundreds of workers, if not more, clashing with security personnel after a month of strict COVID restrictions. Manufacturer Foxconn confirmed the outbreak of violence and said it would work with the local authorities to quell further violence. It released a statement that said workers were furious about pay and living conditions. Quote, regarding any violence, the company will continue to communicate with employees and the government to prevent similar incidents from happening again. The world's largest producer of iPhones wrote in a statement. As COVID infections increase, 
increased across, across the province and iPhone factory, Foxconn adopted a closed loop system for employees in October. Workers were forced to live on campus and were prohibited from physical contact with the outside world, including family members. Okay, then there was an update today at 11 a.m. Eastern time, U.S. time, uh, Shengzhou province home of Foxconn's massive iPhone factory, will begin to enforce mobility restrictions across eight districts in main urban areas on Friday. The reason, well, authorities blame it on rising COVID infections, though we see, but we should note that the new restrictions come as massive unrest has erupted at the factory of more than 200,000 workers. Shenzhou authorities posted a statement on its WeChat page on Wednesday about mobility restrictions from Friday through Sunday. Quote, at present, the epidemic situation in our city is still severe and complicated, end quote. The statement said, health officials will conduct daily mass PCR tests and request that residents in high-risk areas stay within their homes. You can find more about the chaos unfolding at the iPhone factory below. And that's that's what I read earlier. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I Apple's in some trouble. What's happening to Apple stock? I didn't even look today, but this is a pretty big development over there. CK, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely wild. It may affect iPhone iPhone availability next year. I, unfortunately, I feel like I'm saying this all the time on the show, but I'm not an expert in, in specifically Apple supply chains and what percentage of what this plays into their total operation of, of creating iPhones. I know that they've been moving towards other jurisdictions away from China. Mm. You know, a big element of this show is us pushing back on this general thesis that like China is the next rising power. And our main fundamental reasoning behind that is pointing out the fact that, you know, authoritarianism and top-down decision-making in terms of markets is not more effective at allocating capital than free markets. And that right. societies that generally tend towards that in the U.S. still being the, the premier one will outcompete. So I think that, you know, throughout the course of this show, there's been a lot of examples of policy missteps and errors, as well as this tendency uh, for the Chinese government to move towards communism and authoritarian, even more authoritarianism. So it's been wild to actually watch. And, and even, you know, the, the was it the 13th Party Congress? 20th Party. Sorry, 20th Party Congress, my bad. The 20th Party Congress, like, Obviously, fireworks there, too, um, as part of like choosing, you know, rise to becoming, you know, kind of an emperor almost. But yeah, I mean, what what do you you make of the situation? I know you spend much more time studying China. Man, well, I think that they're. (laughs) The guys that listen to my Telegram chat, they're going to be like, just say it. I, I think China's cooked. I think they are done. The China model is over. And it's not going to be good for them over the next couple decades or next decade, especially. They have all this debt over there. They have the demographics are horrible. The next story I have lined up here is about their demographics. I think there's going to be a lot of capital flight, which is bullish for Bitcoin. If Bitcoin can get a bid for capital flight, it's a little bit harder, I think, to get Bitcoin over there because of the kind of valve that was hong kong is now shut off but i have heard or have read stories just recently about hong kong trying to court more exchanges and more bitcoin innovation and bitcoin companies again so perhaps the the rich folks in china and in hong kong are like we need to get hong kong back on the map for bitcoin so that we can launder more money out or or have our capital flight corridors open um but yeah, that's that's what I have to say about this general story. Uh, people are going to move out of Hong Kong, or be, people are going to move their supply chains out of China. We've seen this dramatically over the last two years. I saw a chart about Apple, and they make this factory makes the iPhone Pro version, like iPhone 14 Pro or whatever it is. I I don't have an iPhone, but so the that particular device, it was like 95% made in China. Well. No, it's not going to be anymore. It's probably going to be less than 50% made in China. And Apple is going to move a lot of these supply chains and other factories and things outside of China to Vietnam or Indonesia. And that's already happening. So that should actually pick up pace if these restrictions continue, if the Marxist elements 
really get a louder voice out of China, I think companies will wake up very rapidly and start moving their stuff out at a faster pace than they already have. So I'm just blathering now. Should we go on to the demographic story? Let's do it, sir. Yeah, no, I mean, but I 100% cosign. Okay. All right. This one is from Reuters and the headline is younger Chinese are spurning factory jobs that power the economy. So growing up in a Chinese village, Julian Zhou or Zhu, I'm going to mess up all these names, only saw his father a few times a year when he returned for holidays from his exhausting job in a textile mill in southern Guangzhou province. For his father's generation, factory work was a lifeline out of rural poverty. But for Zhu, the millions and millions of other younger Chinese, the low pay, long hours and drudgery and the risk of injuries are no longer sacrifices worth making. Quote, after a while, the work makes my mind numb, he said. So now he's he quit and he's doing a production line or no, he's selling milk formula and doing scooter deliveries for the uh, local supermarket. He couldn't stand the repetition of the factories. The rejection of grinding factory work by Zhu and other Chinese in their 20s and 30s is contributing to a deepening labor shortage that is frustrating manufacturers in China, which producers which produces a third of the goods consumed globally. Factory bosses say that they would produce more and faster with younger blood replacing their aging workforce, but offering the higher wages and better working conditions that younger Chinese want would risk eroding their competitive advantage. And smaller manufacturers, okay, then it goes on and on. I could read more, but just to sum it up, they, there are a few options. One is to raise wages, obviously, to attract more people into that profession or into that job. They could increase automation, but in this article, they say automation isn't really an answer because some of these factories have increased, increased automation. The old people don't know how to run the machines. They have bad eyesight. They can't even see the screens well. So like if you increase automation, you're still having to attract the younger workforce that can come in and run these new automated machines. The older people can't do it. And then the, the last one was, of course, move the supply chains out of China, which is another, another good option. So you can't really raise rates or rate, raise wages, can't really do the automation thing. So the third option is probably what's going to happen. And that's moving all of these supply chains out of China. So that's what I have for the demographic problems. Why not a combination of automation and raising wages? You need fewer young people, but you pay them more. Yeah, I mean, they've in in the article here, they talk about one guy, he said, I tried to attract more young people by raising my wages 5%. And still no one showed up, no one wanted to do the factory work. So you would have to raise wages quite a bit to attract these people. And you automatically put yourself outside of profitability by doing that. So um, I, I think they're, you know, businesses run very close on small margins. And if you have to raise, raise wages just a little bit, maybe you have to invest in new automation. I mean, that's not free, you have to actually buy those new machines and stuff and train people on them. And that's a very expensive process. So it's, it's really, they're, they're stuck with this demographic decline where there's no young people and the young people that there are, they don't want to do the job in the first place. So it's, it's crazy. Very, very interesting. What's going on over there. Yeah. I mean, again, when you try to manipulate everything, things kind of go haywire and, you know, ultimately we've seen this transition of, you know, let's just call it manual labor and other forms of skilled labor to other cheaper markets where young people are willing to take on the jobs. It's pretty natural. So yeah. it's kind of like part of the cycle. At some point, you know, the young people will say, we want more benefits. We want something that's either more local or less tedious or higher paying, more white collar. Um, and they come to expect that. So that's definitely yeah. what is the case here in the United States. And I'm sure that that will continue to be more of the case in, in China, although it seems like, you know, based on some previous shows that we've done, they may, may be forced into more of a, how would you say, it, a North Korean style lifestyle, which is would be a very, very unpleasant future. Yeah, the one of the things is as these, the Chinese that didn't get an education one generation ago, you know, now they're, they're graduating high school or college 
and they go out and they're like, I don't want to work for pennies at a factory. I have a college degree. Why am I going to do this repetitive task of, of making iPhone cases or something? Right. So yeah, it's exactly that. that as you try, well, it's the middle income trap, right? you you try to invest in your people enough so that they're wealthy enough so that you don't have to be this manual factory labor place of the world. But China has not made it over that hump. They're actually a lower middle income country. They don't have retail demand that can sustain their own economy. They have to export to the rest of the world. And now they're in a demographic collapse. So it's, it's a very, very tough situation over there. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do. I repeat this again. I think this is the largest like macro event perhaps of this decade is going to be the collapse of China, not any sort of collapse of Europe or the Russia, Ukraine war or anything like that. No, the story is going to be the collapse of China. All right. Well, I mean, very bold. Uh, again, something that no <laughs> one was talking about even six months ago, Ray Dalio yeah, publishing yeah. China's the new rising power. So, you know, I think you've been bearish, bearish China, bearish the EU, uh, bullish us so that's been a general a general theme so we'll see how how it plays out so any more that we uh, should hit on before we wrap this one up no sir that's all i have for today all right well everyone watching thank you so much for watching make sure to go get your bitcoin conference ticket you can go actually check out a whole wide range of bitcoin magazine and bitcoin conference deals over at bitcoinblackfriday.com so check out bitcoinblackfriday.com we got a ton of deals we got a lot of cool merch collectibles bitcoin magazine swag deals on bitcoin conference tickets uh so bitcoinblackfriday.com check that out and with that happy holidays for those in the u.s and else out in the world have a great week and we will see you next week so thank you so much for tuning in peace see you guys what is up audio listeners thank you for enjoying another episode of fedwatch down in the show notes you will find all the appropriate links to our social media the original version of this podcast and community links also, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com, where I put out a free weekly newsletter every Friday. And there you can also help support the show by signing up to become a paid member. See you next time. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.